It's good to be here. I know I always have to tell y'all when to say amen. But when I say it's good to be here, you ought to say amen. For truly it is. It's, a, it's good on the Lord's day to, to be together with God's people and to worship Him, praise Him, and sing these wonderful songs. We're so thankful that Pastor Ben has persevered. Some might call it hard-headed, but we'll call it perseverance to, uh, to be here and lead the, the singing this morning. I know that pretty much everybody called him last week and said, look, you got to do something different from Bill leading the singing. That's, <laughs> that just ain't working. And, uh, and I, you know, I called him, and <laughs> so I, I'm not surprised that y'all did. Uh, but, oh, we're so thankful, brother, and, and you're so much in our hearts and our prayers, and uh, we love you and, and we're thankful for you. We face, even though a, a blessed Lord's Day, so much of the world, it seems, is in crisis. I, I didn't even realize that there was still a health care crisis. Uh, I, thought, I thought President Obama solved that one. Well, that must have been 20 years ago. But I saw it on the news this morning. We have a health care crisis. Uh, we, we, the, you know, the crisis in the Middle East still. Um, we, we've got the, um, the economic crisis. You may not be aware yet, but I certainly am. We got the, the pollen crisis. I mean, it's, it's, it's right before us. Stand by. The border crisis. We've got our own little bin crisis. Um, we, we've got, and, and you, have the, you have the personal crisis. You've got, you've got those in your life. You perhaps share with, uh, with others a prayer, commiseration. Uh, but there's, there's lots of crises going on. And I still say, I still say, it's good to be here. It's good to be together with God's people, to worship Him and to praise Him to know that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Pastor Ben has brought us into the book of Exodus and done a, done a fine job of preaching through Exodus right up to chapter 20, and, and he's ready to move into those, those sermons that we have great expectation, great anticipation for, in those sermons through the, the Ten Commandments. And so we're, we have these, this on our minds, this idea of the commandments, the rules, the laws that God has laid down, the commandments that He has given. And we recognize that implicit in the giving of law, implicit in the, the statement of commandments from God, is there the, there's the expectation of obedience. The reason those laws have been given, the reason the commandments are stated is that 
you then will do them. And so we understand that obedience is apparently pretty important to God. Obedience is that which is is significant in, in a relationship. It speaks of relationship. We see this in the secular world in what the term that we use, law-abiding. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you're a law-abiding person, then you are afforded the rights and privileges of citizenship. You have a, a relationship with society. Society being the lawgiver. And so there's a relationship of obedience with that which is the lawgiver, in this case the society. And that, that, that obedience is what perpetuates, continues, substantiates that citizenship status within the society. A law-abiding citizen maintains citizenship. Outlaws, on the other hand, they're denied many, if not most, of the privileges of citizenship, and they are separated from society. That's called prison. And so they are denied the relationship of the citizenship because they are disobedient. Obedience speaks of a right relationship. Disobedience speaks of loss of relationship. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate the nods. The rest of you, we'll meet later. In the Bible, Romans chapter 4, verse 11, we learn that God gave Abraham the practice of circumcision as a sign and a seal of righteousness. We read Romans 4.11, He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith which he was, while he was still uncircumcised. So we see here that God sees obedience as a sign of faith. And God provides in obedience a seal of faith. That is, it is recognized as true and it is perpetuated through the seal of God. Long before God was to give his commandments to the nation of Israel, there was a righteousness based upon obedience. A righteousness in obedience by faith. For this was not Abraham's obedience. For Abraham received that sign as a seal by faith. Understand that there is an essential, necessary connection, relationship between righteousness and obedience. Righteousness means obedience. To get it right. That's the, where the idea of righteousness comes from. And so you see, God imputed to Abraham an obedience, a righteousness that he received by faith, not by anything that he has done, not by his own obedience. 
So then if Abraham received the righteousness of God by faith, long before God gave the commandments to Israel, where then do the people of faith stand with respect to the commandments of God? Is there any need for us to pay any attention? Is there any need for Pastor Ben to preach on through the Ten Commandments? Is there any need for for us to hear what God has said way back thousands of years ago to the nation of Israel? Let's cut to the chase. Do we have to obey them? That's what we want to know. And so we turn today to Romans chapter 3. And I, I, would, I would hope you would have you to know that uh, Pastor Ben asked me to preach from this text. And I appreciate his confidence, his uh, expectation that I would do a, a decent job of it. Uh, for he has to follow when he preaches now from Exodus chapter 20. Um, we'll talk between now and then, uh, but let's consider what is our relationship? Where do we stand today with regard to the commandments of God? Reading then from Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 19. Now we know, now as Paul says, we know, It means that's a a common knowledge. It's something that everybody understands. It's something that doesn't have to be proven. Now we know, you know, right? We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now Israel is that nation, those people that God had chosen as the descendants of Abraham, a people that he would call to be a people unto himself. And it is the nation of Israel, it is the people of Israel, those commonly known as the children of Israel, who received the law through God's servant Moses. And it is therefore here in Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, it is Israel that is spoken of as the people who are under the law. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those, it speaks to Israel who are under the law. Before God gave them this law, we've we've encountered Exodus 20, chapter 2, Exodus 20, verse 2, before, and we know that before God gave the law to Moses, God reminded Israel that he had saved them from slavery in Egypt. God reminded them that he was their savior. Exodus 22, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. Before 
God gave the commandments, before God gave the law, God had chosen them, amen, God had saved them, He was their Savior before He was the lawgiver. He had already chosen them, He had elected to do that which He was going to do to, to bring them out of slavery in e e Egypt and make them a people unto themselves. It, it is what God had chosen to do according to His will for His purpose. Now, however, having the law, as God had given them the law, they now had a knowledge that they had not previously had. Now they knew that they not only needed salvation from slavery, they not only needed a Savior who would bring them out of this burden of slavery, but they needed a Savior who would save them from the knowledge of the slavery to their own sin. Knowledge of God's requirements, God's laws. For those He has chosen, lets them know that they are accountable to God for obedience to the law that He has given. They have nothing to brag about in their standing before God. God chose them. Just like the whole world, Israel is subject to God's judgment. God's wrath is brought against disobedience, against sin. The knowledge of sin comes from the knowledge of the law. Adam and Eve had just one law. They, they knew what was forbidden. They knew what God has said they ought not do. God had told them of the consequences of disobedience. And they disobeyed. And God was just in His punishment of them. God had told them beforehand. They knew what God expected. They knew what God would do when they disobeyed. God was just in the punishment that He meted out. Those who disobey God's commandments, God's law, have no right to complain when God does what He said He would do. He is God. He is the Creator. He is Lord over all creation. And it is reasonable and right that he would direct the behavior in his creation. In his creation. Our earthly father says, 
as long as you put your feet under my table, you're going to do what I say. The progenitor, the provider, the protector has every right to command obedience from those under his care. Didn't think so back then. Sure do now. And yet, disobedience prevails. We, as a race, the daughters and sons of Adam, like our forefathers, we have a rebellious spirit. We want to sing, I did it my way. I just read this past week, this is an aside, this is extra, no extra charge. I just read this week that this Frank Sinatra song from, well, it, it has to be 50 years old, is the most popular funeral song in England. Huh? You, you, you get it? And I suspect there's enough, uh, enough funerals in America that you, you'll find this song. I did it my way. You know the song? Yeah, it's, it's not Christian. But that's our rebellious spirit. We're born with it. We are the children of our forefathers. Our Father establishes rules as guidance for us. As a child, we didn't know that running in the house was dangerous. We didn't have the knowledge that, that running made it more likely that we might trip or crash into something, splatter our brains all over the kitchen floor. We're dead. Mom has to clean brains off the kitchen floor. And Dad has to pay for a funeral. Our simple act of wanting to have a little fun leads to tragedy for the whole family. Dad says simply, don't run in the house. Disobedience to God's law is destructive. Disobedience to God's commandments is destructive to all of creation. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. In the case of Adam and Eve, of course. But the reality holds true for every single disobedience. God's law is good. God's law is intended for good. God's law is intended for our good. God looked, we've been studying uh, the creation account in Genesis 1 on Thursday night, and, and, and we see repeatedly that God looks upon what He has done. God looks upon His creation, and He says that it is good. 
Can you blame God if He wants to keep it that way? And how does God keep it that way? How does God lead to, to the righteousness and cleanness of His creation but by His word, by His commandments, by His law? So if you, if you move into a new house, brand new house, freshly built house, spotlessly clean, everything works like it ought to, and you move in, mom and dad, six kids, Do I have to finish the illustration? <laughs> How long does it take? God's laws are good. And by our knowledge of God's laws, we know what is good, what is beneficial to all of God's creation. And likewise, what is destructive. Only the most foolish and vain of people will not see where they fall short. But be assured, the most foolish and vain of people will certainly see where you fall short. We have that marvelous account in John chapter 8 called when the woman taken in adultery is brought to Jesus. And I think the most telling part of that account comes when Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And then we're told they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Not a single one of those self-righteous guys would stand up before his peers, much, much less before Jesus, and claim to be without sin. These guys knew the Bible. These guys knew the law of God. And by it, they had knowledge of sin. So while all recipients of God's blessings of life, all are held accountable to God for how they live that life. The law is just. God is just in expecting obedience to his law. And God is just in punishing disobedience to his law. All are held accountable. We have all been unfaithful in that which we should have been faithful. We have gone after another to whom we did not belong. We have loved one undeserving of our love and have not loved the one deserving 
we are all Israel in the book of Judges, partaking of God's mercy, God's loving kindness, but not returning the same. We all follow after the balls. The indictment is universal. The conviction is universal. The condemnation is universal. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.10 Interestingly, Romans 3 continues at verse 21. One of these one of these marvelously wonderful transitional statements. But now. Praise God for but now. Thank you, Father, that, that you have changed. You have transitioned. You have moved. That there's now hope. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. After giving the law, after centuries of forbearance in which disobedience was the norm, the sovereign Lord of our world reveals a path to righteousness, a path to forgiveness of sin and the imputation, the gift of a righteousness not worked for, not earned and not deserved, not by obedience, by grace, a gift from God. And so we have knowledge of our sin. We recognize our disobedience. We see our rebellious spirit. And no matter how hard we try, we simply cannot do enough good to justify ourselves before God. No one ever has, and no one ever was going to, as it had always been God's promise, purpose, that there would be a people to whom He would be their God and they would be His people. God provided what was necessary, that He would be true to Himself, that He would be true to His holiness, He would be true to His righteousness and establish a way but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. 
a way for his people, a people unto himself, a way that his people would be forgiven their sins and be covered in righteousness. Yes, all are accountable to God, but those who receive the gift of grace, the righteousness of God, stand at that time of accountability, stand at that moment of judgment, covered in a righteousness they have not earned, a righteousness they did not deserve, a righteousness that came only by the grace of God. That way that God has provided is Jesus. The sweetest name I know. The Son of God. The only man who ever lived perfectly obedient, sinless, having no need of forgiveness. He is the only perfect sacrifice. You see, he is righteous. He has righteousness. His obedience speaks of his righteousness. And by his death, God accepts his sacrifice as sufficient to consume his wrath against the sin of those who would claim that salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Not only was sin forgiven, but righteousness likened to that of Jesus was imparted to believers. As Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So too, those who by faith in Jesus Christ, imparted as a gift from God, receive the impartation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now in all of this, you do not see a single instance of anything that any man besides the God-man Jesus has done, is doing, or will do to obtain this righteousness, this salvation. For again, our text tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God does it all. He is just and the justifier. And we receive salvation as a gift. Many of you have heard before my diatribe against gift giving in this society. You can go to sleep. I'm going to do it again. You just about cannot give someone a gift in our society today. Gifts, that which we call gifts, are not received as gifts. They are due. They are expected. They are required. If you don't believe me, just try to pass up a youngin's birthday without coming across. Talk about your hissy fit. Now, you folks from Michigan, the hissy fit is... Uh, <laughs> got it, all right. <coughs> okay. You've seen some hissy fits, huh? All right. 
Yeah, don't pass up a birthday without a birthday present. Kid expects it. It's their due. Christmas is even worse. Um, yeah, don't, don't be uh, coming up on Christmas morning with nothing under the tree. That's expected. It, it's a requirement. It's not a gift, right? It's, it belongs. And fellas, Wednesday is Valentine's Day. I'm just saying. But think about what it means to get a gift. I mean, really. It's, it's, it's not yours. You didn't, you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You're not do it. It's not an expectation. It's a, it's a gift. It's free. It's gratis. No one is due God's salvation. No one is due God's forgiveness. No one is due the faith of Jesus Christ. Only those who receive this gift by God's grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. So where then are the commandments? What of obedience? Do we just save by God's grace? We just do as we please? By no means. For as by God's word, we, those to whom God has given the gift of faith, those who are the chosen, the elect of God, just as Israel had been chosen, just as Israel was the uh, chosen people of God, the elect of God, and that they then received the commandments from God, that then they would have the knowledge of sin and recognize that they had need of a Savior. They had need of forgiveness. So we have received the gift of faith by God's grace, and continue to have knowledge every day of our need of a Savior. While knowing we have a holy, sufficient Savior in Jesus Christ. The need is real. The provision is real. We love Him because he sacrificed himself for us. And we follow him, we obey him, we obey his commandments because we love him. We rejoice in the blessings of faith. We are humbled by the magnitude of God's grace. We treasure our standing as a child of God and hold in our hearts a throng of thanksgiving for all that he has done 
in the already but not of our election to salvation, we are confronted by our failure and Christ's success. Our sin, His forgiveness. Our shortcomings, His sufficiency. And in these reminders, we are constantly called to that grace, that faith, that love, that thanksgiving. It may be February, but today is a day of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.